Amen. I'm going to read from God's precious word. And we're reading from the Old Testament scriptures, the book of Deuteronomy, and to the chapter 34. It's the final chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 34. We're going to commence our reading together at the first verse. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab onto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead onto Dan and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah onto the utmost sea and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not Go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants, and to all his land. And in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Amen. We'll end the reading there at the end of the chapter, the end of the book of Deuteronomy, and the end of the life of Moses, the man of God. I would like to bid... Amen. We're turning together to the portion of Scripture that we have read together, and that's Deuteronomy, the chapter 34. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 34. And as we read the portion, you would have been reminded that this chapter relates to the death of Moses, the man of God. And it speaks a little of his funeral. And we want to entitle the message this morning, A Unique Funeral, 
for it certainly was a unique funeral. My text of scripture is the verse 7. It says, And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Let's just unite together in a brief word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father and our Eternal God, we do thank Thee that we can come together with Thy Word before us. We pray that we would know that instruction, that teaching according to Thy Word. I would speak to each and every heart, Lord, minister to us, we pray, and grant our Father as Thy children we would know our faith in Thee being increased And we pray if there be any whose heart is not right before God, that thy word, O God, would enlighten their heart and that they might prepare for eternity. So, Lord, for this short time, close us into thee and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. So Moses lived to the age of 120 years old. And when you think of the 120 years of Moses, his life can actually be easily divided up into three, three periods of 40 years each. Those first 40 years were spent in the palace of Pharaoh. And then the next 40 years in the life of Moses was spent as a shepherd of sheep. And then the third 40 years in the life of Moses, it was spent leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness. And so for the last 40 years of his life, he was leading the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings. But now in this chapter of God's precious word, all those wanderings have come to an end. The long journey is now over. And Israel stand on the borders of the promised land. And soon they will enter into the promised land. But the Lord has already revealed to Moses that he will not be going in. The children of Israel will go in to possess the land, but Moses will not be going with them. And the Lord has given Moses opportunity here at this very point, before he departs this scene of time, the Lord has given Moses opportunity to bless the children of Israel for one last time. And therefore, before he departs from them, chapter 33 and the verse 1 gives us something of uh, the description there. It says, And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And that 33rd chapter will contain the details of that blessing. And Moses will seek to exalt the Lord. He'll speak of the Lord's glory, of the Lord's majesty, of the Lord's excellency. 
He'll testify of God's goodness and God's faithfulness to him and to the children of Israel. And here is his parting message. And he gives the children of Israel encouragement. You could go down chapter 33 and just look by way of example at the verse 27. And he said to them, The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, Destroy them. But Moses having blessed the children of Israel in chapter 33 will now make his way up the mountain as the Lord had instructed him. And he's going up the mountain to die. We could get as close as possible to the location where the Lord brought Moses. If you glanced back a couple of chapters to chapter 32 and to the verse 49, it says in chapter 32 and the verse 49, Get thee up into this mountain, Abarim, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. And so the Lord has been pinpointing this place. He speaks there about the mountain Abarim. In fact, that was the name that was given to the range of mountains here in Moab. Then that verse we've just read, and also in chapter 34 and the verse 1, it makes reference now to the mountain of Nebo. One verse has said the mountain of Abarim, and the other one is saying the mountain of Nebo. Well, as we indicated, Abarim was the range of mountains, and Nebo was a particular peak in that mountain range. Then when you look on in chapter 34 and the verse 1, it mentions Pisgah, to the top of Pisgah. And it seems that while the Lord has referred to the range of mountains and the particular mountain peak, Pisgah would be suggesting the highest point on that particular peak. And so the Lord has given Moses the details of where he's to climb. He's to go up this range of mountains He's to go to Mount Nebo, that particular peak, and he's to go to a particular point on Mount Nebo that's called Pisgah. We were wanting to understand it in the local sense. Uh, we could speak about the morns. And if we say we're going uh, walking in the morns, we know that's the range of mountains. But if we said we're going to Sleeve Donard, well, that's a particular peak in the Mourn Mountains. And you could maybe pinpoint a spot on Sleeve Donard, maybe like the saddle, and you could say, well, there's the very point that we're going to. And so here, the Lord has shown the range. He has identified the peak and a particular point, possibly the highest point on that peak. It's Pisgah. That's what we were singing a moment or two ago in that hymn, Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. May I thy consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home 
and take my flight. And the hymn writer was referring there to this occasion when Moses was on the top of Nebo at that point, Pisgah. So Moses is at the point of his departure. And there is that unique death and that unique funeral of the man of God. And this morning, I want us just to make a few observations upon this unique funeral. Firstly, the manner of his death. You look at our text of Scripture, verse 7, And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Speaking about his fitness, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. It's referring to his sight, and it's referring to his strength, and they were both still good. His eye was not dim. Most of us today would probably know that whenever you get around to middle age, maybe a bit before it, you either need to get an extension on your arms when you're reading, or you need to go and get your eyes tested. You maybe end up with glasses, with contact lenses, or maybe even laser surgery, but there's a natural deterioration the eyes do start to dim. Strange thing here with Moses. It says his eye was not dim. Moses still had the best of sight there. He was blessed with good vision right up to the very point of his death. And his natural force, his natural force was not abated. And again, as we get older, we know that our natural force or our natural strength, it does abate, and it's a losing battle. Oh, it's good to try and maintain that level of fitness, but as you get older, you realize that uh, slowly but surely it's going away from you. Maybe as you get a bit older again, the, the aches and the pains start to take hold. That wasn't the case with Moses. Moses' natural force was not abated, We've just indicated that he was fit enough at this stage, 120 years old. He could climb a mountain. He could go right up there to Mount Pisgah's lofty height. Fit to climb the mountain. And yet this was going to be the point of his death. We could say of Moses at this particular stage, he was in perfect health. Nothing indicated really outwardly there that this was going to be the very day of his death, and yet that was the case. And what you learn from that is that it's not just the weak and the frail and the old who die. There are those who die, and we could say they were in perfect health right up to that particular moment. And God had an appointment here for Moses. And even though his eye was not dim and his natural force was not abated, this was going to be the day of his death, according to the Lord. When you look there at the verse 5 of our Bible reading, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. It was a divine appointment. It was according to the word of the Lord. 
In the book of Job, in the chapter 14, and there in the fifth verse, it says, Seeing his days are determined, it's speaking about man, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. And as Job there speaks about the days of man and the months of man, he's showing that God has determined those days and God has numbered those months. And it's appointed by God and man is not able to go beyond that point. And so it was here with Moses. It's the same for each one of us. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And so the individual like Moses, you could say the eye is not dim, the natural force is not abated, that day will still come. You could be in the best of health, but that day that God has appointed will inevitably come if the Lord tarries. We're reminded here of the manner of Moses' death and his fitness. Think about his funeral. Verse 6 says, And he buried him. That is the Lord. The Lord was the one who, who buried Moses. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. We're saying it was quite a unique funeral. The Lord buried him. Moses is buried in an unmarked grave. And Moses was buried by the Lord. Sometimes when you attend a funeral... Someone will ask you the question inevitably, was there many there? Was there many at the funeral? That's a common question. And if we apply the question to this particular funeral, we'd have to say there wasn't many there. Just the Lord. Maybe we could use sanctified imagination and say perhaps there were angels there with the Lord. Maybe the angels carried the coffin. Maybe the angels dug the grave. We don't know. But this we do know. The Lord was there. And I say to you when it comes to the funeral, that's really all that matters. Doesn't matter if there's a great number of people in attendance. It doesn't matter how popular the individual was or how much pomp and display there could be. And many today want to have that big send-off. It matters not. What matters is, is the Lord there. That's the most important thing. Psalm, as David said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou art with me. Thank God the Lord was there. And so you can think about the manner of Moses' death. But I want you to notice, secondly, the mercy in Moses' death. The Lord had clearly told Moses prior to this that he would not be going into the promised land. 
It's repeated to him at the very end of verse 4. Thou shalt not go over thither. And so Moses knows without shadow of a doubt that he's not permitted to enter into the promised land. It was due to disobedience. You were to glance back to chapter 32 again and to the verse 51 that just outlines that to us. And here is the because, here's the reason. Chapter 32, verse 51, Because ye trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel, yet thou shalt see the land before thee, but thou shalt not go thither unto the land which I give the children of Israel. And Moses knew he wasn't going in. It refers to that time, and it's recorded in Numbers chapter 20. It refers to that time when the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock, and water will be given forth out of the rock. But when Moses went to the rock, he didn't speak to the rock. He took his rod and he smote the rock twice. And therefore, he disobeyed the Lord. And the Lord said, because of that disobedience, you will not enter into the land of promise. And Moses came back to the Lord on occasions and Moses pleaded with the Lord. And he prayed to the Lord that he would be permitted to lead the children of Israel into the land of promise. And the Lord said, no. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, the Lord said to Moses, speak no more unto me of this matter. It's closed. Speak no more to me on this matter. And so Moses is not permitted to enter Canaan, but here's the mercy. The Lord said, I let you see it. And the Lord said, come up the mountain. Go to Abarim. Go up Mount Nebo. Go to Pisgah. I'm going to show you the land of promise. And the Lord here in mercy to his servant, he takes him here up the mountain to this particular point. And Moses is going to be able to survey all the land of promise. And in chapter 34 and those opening three verses, you have there described uh, the borders of the land of promise. And Moses views it all. All the land. And the Lord says, this is the land that I give to Israel. And Moses will survey that land, but he will not enter that land. And we know that the land that's described there at the beginning of chapter 34 is very significant at this point. Because that's the land that is the focus of the world at this particular time. It's out there in the Middle East. And the Lord has revealed here to Moses the borders of the land of Israel. And we couldn't take time to go into the details of it, but 
there at the end of verse 1, he says that the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. And so where Moses is standing at this particular point, he's towards the east. And as he's surveying the land from Gilead to Dan, he's looking north. The Lord says, there, there's the northern borders of this land, Gilead to Dan. And then at the end of verse 2, he has Moses looking out to the west. Remember, Moses is standing to the east, and now he's looking west from that particular point. And at the end of verse 2, it says, on to the utmost sea. And so as he stands there upon Mount Pisgah and he has looked north, he's now looking west and he's looking right out to the utmost sea. That's the Mediterranean. That's just there at the Gaza Strip. It goes out onto the utmost sea, onto the Mediterranean Sea. And then at the end of verse 3, he's getting him to look to the south. And he's going there right to the point of, of Zoar, the southern tip of the Dead Sea. And the Lord has given to Moses, there, there's the borders, there's the boundaries. And in verse 4, the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. The Lord saying to Moses and to Israel, I'm giving you this land. It's the God-given land. That land belongs to Israel. And there are those at this very time who have stated it and desire to wipe Israel off the map. Want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And while Israel will suffer, and Israel will suffer persecution to a great degree, but they will never be wiped off the face of the earth. They are God's ancient people. While they will suffer, yet the Lord will preserve his ancient people. And you can see here from the word that the Lord gave to Moses right at the point when Moses was going to be departing. The Lord was saying here, there's a future day when the Lord will give that whole land to Israel. And in mercy, the Lord shows it to Moses and he surveys it there geographically. But even though his eyes were not dim, there are those who would tell us it would be humanly impossible to see that whole land that I have just outlined there. Even if you were on top of the mountain, it would be impossible to see all of that because some of it was stretching maybe up to 120 miles away. And the natural eye would not have permitted Moses to survey all of that land. But as you go to the end of verse 2, notice what the Lord said carefully there about that. The Lord said, I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes. And I believe there was something there of a miracle that took place. What was apparently humanly impossible, the Lord in mercy 
gave Moses such an enlightenment there that he was able to survey, to see, and to take in all of the land of promise. And the Lord was saying to him, this is the land from the north to the west to the south. I'm going to give it to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to their seed. And so Moses knew mercy here at the point of his death. And there was another mercy that was later extended to Moses. And while here he is seeing the land, but in the New Testament scriptures, if you were to look on those occasions that speak of the Mount of Transfiguration, and the Lord went up the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and two others joined them on the mountain. Moses and Elijah. And in mercy, those years later, Moses did get to set foot there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And whether you think of the land of promise, the land of Canaan, or the Mount of Transfiguration, it's all speaking of heaven. And it's good for any unsaved soul today to think about heaven and the need to be ready for heaven and the need to prepare for heaven. Because while Moses was permitted to see into the land of Canaan, it tells us of the unconverted that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Not only are you not going to be in heaven, but you're not going to see heaven. Cut off. Be sure today that you are saved that your faith and trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord will be merciful to you. And so we see the manner of Moses' death and the mercy in Moses' death, but just finally the message in Moses' death. When you speak about Moses, Moses represents the law of God. In fact, on a good number of occasions, the law of God is actually referred to as Moses. There on the Emmaus Road, when the Lord drew near to those disciples, and it refers to what Moses said, and that was a reference to the law of God. Moses was the inspired writer of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through to Deuteronomy. And those books are referred to as the law of God. And so Moses is synonymous there with the law of God. And while it was an actual transgression, the striking of the rock, that prevented Moses entering the land of Canaan, there's nevertheless a very powerful message to us here. That through the law, as it were, no soul can enter heaven. Galatians chapter 2 and the verse 16 says, By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. By the works of the law. Therefore Moses' death and burial before the promised land is an illustration to us of man's inability. By his own efforts, to enter heaven through obedience to the law. We have all broken God's law. 
We have all transgressed God's law. We have all violated the holy law of God that is summarized for us in the Ten Commandments. And we could never enter the promised land of heaven by our keeping of the law. The message of the Bible is that we can only enter heaven through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and by resting upon his finished work. Because there was only ever one person who was able to keep the law. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came, he came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And he kept it perfectly. Every jot and every tittle, every detail, every last word of the law, the Lord Jesus Christ kept it perfectly. He lived that perfect, that righteous, and that holy life. And therefore, when he died, when he shed his blood upon the tree, he died that perfect death, and he made that perfect sacrifice. And it is only through him and through faith in his blood that we can enter into the glory. Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. And thank God we can rest with confidence and with assurance and the Lord Jesus Christ and his person and his work. We have considered just briefly together this unique funeral and the death of Moses, but as it brings us to think about our own demise and our own death, we'll be ready. May it teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. May the Lord bless his word to each one this morning.